As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, neither of whom is a catcher because they have been reallocated to podcasting duties uh, for the foreseeable future. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, if you get that, you get that. So we're going to talk some Cubs. Obviously, uh, the team took two or three from the Marlins this weekend agonizingly close to returning the sweep favor. Um, the Cubs obviously were in that 14 inning marathon game against the Marlins yesterday. I thought that was not supposed to happen anymore. Right. Um, I will say this, by the way, this isn't a major point of conversation. I, although because I'm a hardcore Cubs fan, I view a game like that differently than like an average fan would and so I, it's hard for me to say like I really enjoyed that game I didn't I was annoyed as shit for a lot of that game but I do appreciate how even in a 14 in game like that there was excitement intensity every single extra inning because you had the runner on second base and like I, I just I come back to that we haven't seen a lot of longer extra inning Cubs games in a while and I just, I don't know. I've come to appreciate that rule more and more in terms of what it can provide um, in excitement to fans and not destroying a bullpen, which is unfortunate for the Cubs that that didn't come to pass yesterday. Um, okay. Broadly speaking, we're going to hit on the Marlins series, transition into some forward looking stuff because there's a lot to talk about this week with the Cardinals coming to Wrigley Field. Um, the The big picture thing that I thought about this Marlins series was that it was it was almost the uh, other side of the coin from a lot of what we saw over the week that preceded it with just some hard luck stuff that, 
you know, maybe the Cubs weren't putting themselves in a great position to succeed, but they also were not getting a lot of luck. And so their record was really down for that week, but it wasn't necessarily reflective of talent. And then you see, you, you get some bounces in the first two games of the Marlins series and things go your way. And it's like, yeah, this team is probably right around that level of actual ability. They got a little bit of a boost from Matt Mervis arriving on Friday. Um, so I guess we didn't get to talk about that on the last podcast. Um, I honestly, I just thought that was an appropriate decision. Edwin Rios going down. So Eric Cosmer stays up as sort of a, uh, bench veteran type guy. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, but Mervis is going to be a regular in the lineup while he's up. And I, I think that's the right decision because, you know, I was screaming about it for uh, the last several weeks. And yeah, that's, that's my, those are my takeaways from the Marlins series uh, specifically, other than just being deeply annoyed that the Cubs couldn't get one hit yesterday when it would have ended the game. They had five chances to get one hit to end it yeah that i mean the i think it it's kind of reinforcing some some concepts that we touched on 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 thursday uh this offense is kind of regressing to what we kind of thought it may be uh maybe a little bit better than than what the they've been the past 10 days but still uh, there's there's some holes in this offense there's some flaws here but i i still if i if i was pushed on it right now i would say Ian Happ looks like a, like a like he's taken I don't know either he's carried over last year or maybe he's even taken a little bit of a step forward and Cody Bellinger being looking the way he is uh, gives this offense a little bit more of a ceiling than what I felt it had coming in. I shouldn't say more of a ceiling than what I felt it had. It's it's getting closer to reaching that that ceiling that that you know we could have seen if things start going right. So I still think there's something here with this offense. There are just some concerns that I have. I, I you want to see consistency. You want to see you want to see a little bit more of a potent offense on a regular basis. I just I'm not sure if that's what it's going to be all season long. I, I still feel like there's a show me, prove it to me type aspect with the offense uh, that that I'm getting from it. But I some people seem to be frustrated with the bullpen. I mean, what are they supposed to do in those extra innings? They didn't, you know, they, they did their jobs. They didn't put that runner on second, right? It's the Cubs job to get that runner in from second. The Cubs failed on offense. The bullpen seems fine. The starting pitching continues to be a real bright spot. Um, even a bad outing or so-so outing from Drew Smiley. I mean, to get that coverage from the bullpen is really important. Uh, I, 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 I think this, this weekend is a nice bounce back as far as after a, a rough uh, uh, road stretch, but I I don't know if I, my opinions have changed from Thursday about this team, right? And not that they should after three games or four games, I guess that have been played. Uh, but it, a lot of a lot of what we were talking about on Thursday has kind of continued on. Uh, you know, we, we're just going to have to keep evaluating this team. I, I'm not sure if they're going to pull away or, or do something to really make us change our opinion over the next month or two. Uh, it's going to take like either a really bad stretch or a really hot stretch for us to be like, OK, this is this team is a little different than what we were talking about, uh, you know, either in spring training or right now. My takeaways from the Marlins series are don't care because we have Wilson Contreras coming in. How have we not been talking about this, Brett? Like, how bad do the Cardinals have to get before you start gloating even said, about the Cubs' decision? We 
we made it. Well, we made it six minutes into this. Bearing the lead here. We we held off. No, I mean, that is. Yeah. And we, you know, what's interesting, the fact that we haven't talked about the Cardinals terrible opening to the season is interesting. I think it's understandable because the Cubs and Cardinals haven't played almost a month and a half into the season. They haven't faced each other and the Cardinals being bad has felt while I have enjoyed it deeply, deliciously (laughs) at a personal level, it has felt not terribly important at the moment, just because of the way that the division is breaking out and the Cubs being sort of mediocre. I've been less focused on it. Uh, And to be candid, I'm terrified that the Cubs are going to be available this week to help the Cardinals flip the switch. <laughs> you know, you just know how this shit goes. Um, uh, okay, but we got to talk about the big, the big, big, big story that is attached to the Cardinals. And frankly, I think it has equal weight of attachment to the Cubs. And that is uh, Wilson Contreras. If If folks haven't heard it's possible by the time this publishes his role will probably be changed again so if he's a third baseman or a matchup lefty reliever by the time you're hearing this don't don't judge us that's how fast the the story is moving (laughs) and so uh what two days ago the cardinals brought up a third catcher uh and that immediately you just i I was following along and i'm like that's kind of curious uh it was Adam Wainwright was returning from the injured list and they brought up this third catcher to catch him instead of, for example, the starting catcher that they paid $88 million in the offseason to sign. And then it comes out that not only have they brought up this third, third catcher to sort of share the load, actually, Wilson Contreras is going to be moved off of catching duties entirely for a little while. He's going to spend his time in the outfield and at DH. And then... They, it comes out that was coaching staff saying that. And then I think it was uh, the, the team's president saying, well, actually he's, he's not going to play in the outfield. Just, just going to DH probably. Um, so we'll see how this actually manifests itself this week at Wrigley field. Um, but the mere fact that it has become this incredible circus, especially for an organization like the Cardinals that prides itself on being so professional, um, which, by the way, is why I think they got caught up in this in the first place, because I think they were a little arrogant about how this was going to go. Um, it, it's just shocking what's happening right now. And it, it's almost, we were talking before we started recording, there's almost too many threads to wrap your head around and talk about it in a consistent way. That's why I'm like totally scattershotting this thing. So let me turn it over to you guys to, to talk about an element of this that sort of that strikes you. And we'll we'll circle back around and try to pick up all the rest of the loose threads. Yeah, I, I think that arrogance you speak of certainly uh, popped up in my mind when when I saw this story come up. It was like, oh, but I thought the Cardinals were so sure that they they had this under control. They they were able to. They're they're the great organization that can uh, take anyone that that may have issues with another club doing a certain thing, and and they can correct that flaw. Oh, right. Let me slide in. Because I realized, yeah, for folks who don't know, this is one of those threads that I haven't mentioned. Um, what Sahadev is referencing is it, it was widely known by the time that Wilson Contreras was moving on from the Cubs and the Cubs did not make a serious effort to retain him, um, that he was 
that for all his abilities at the plate and with his arm and some of his defensive skills, there were questions about his ability to call games, to manage his pitching staff, to adjust in-game, sort of all those soft factors that we talked about last year that the Cubs were specifically targeting in catchers. And so it kind of became this whole thing where it was the Cubs were trying to find sort of an anti-Wilson Contreras and the Cardinals, who'd had the anti-Wilson Contreras for 20 years in Yadi Molina, brought Contreras in on the belief that they could improve that part of his game and they gave him a month and now he's out yeah it I mean giving him a month and now he's out I really thought this would last longer I thought he'd be able to do what they needed for a year um, uh, even if the results wouldn't have been perfect but this is uh, yeah it's kind of shocking that it's happened this quickly and in this fashion I'm, I'm a little surprised that they're being that they need to like adjust the message share the message and adjust it so many times over the span of multiple days uh this wasn't handled well from the get-go uh they they are almost it feels like i know they're saying they're not throwing wilson on the under the bus but it certainly feels that way uh and some of the comments that mazeliak made and in katie Wu and ken uh ken rosenthal's piece basically say there there's a line in there that I think Ken used again in his piece today that basically says like he needs to put in a lot of work we'll see if it happens we'll see if it can happen type thing that's <clears throat> to me that's a lot of what we've we heard from the Cubs uh, during the past uh, you know year plus uh it's not that Wilson is completely incapable of this it's that there are catchers that just focus only on the 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 catching aspect of the game, the game planning aspect, and put everything on the back burner. Uh, and I I don't want this to come across as a criticism to Wilson because the reality is he needs to do what he needs, what he thinks is best for him too. Because he's not getting paid eighty seven million dollars if he's Jan Gomes and just spending all his time game planning and doing all that stuff. It's part partly it's it's the league here. What what do they pay for? Who's getting paid? So if he's if he sees that he gets paid for his offense and not spending all this time uh, learning the intricacies of catching, and and in the catcher's room with the pitchers in the meetings, you know, spending all that time with the pitching coaches, it's a very different thing than I need to work on my swing. I need to get my hitting in. I need to do that. And make sure I'm prepared to to hit as well. Uh, I mean, Jan Gomes talks about it. He doesn't, he was told early on by Terry Francona, like, all I want you to do is, is worry about the pitchers. Any hitting you give me is gravy. Uh, And, and we've seen that. We've seen that with Jan Gomes when he's healthy, he'll, his focus is the pitching staff. And then the hitting, if it comes, it comes. And, and he's, he's quite, he's a talented offensive player, but that's not his focus. Uh, So I don't want this to be, ripping Wilson Contreras it's more about know your personnel know know who he is don't overthink this situation they thought they could do something that the rest of the league kind of backed away from Uh, and that's that that's I mean I I get it you want to you want to believe because of his offensive impact and and you know Wilson is passionate Wilson uh does work hard uh it's just what is he focusing on I think is is the question uh 
so I can understand how he can almost convince you because he's a very passionate guy and I'm sure he wants to be the best at all these things. It's just really hard to be the best at all of it when it, 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 here's one before I finish uh, the Cardinals saying that, Oh, it's very complex. We're, we're very different than everyone else is nonsense. Okay. It, that's not the, the, they're not like, they're not so much more complex than everyone else. It's different. Sure. I'm sure it's different. I'm sure it's not the exact same as the Cubs or the, or Atlanta or, or the Dodgers or Houston or, or the Yankees name any good team, right? Good organization. But come on, it's not it's not that much different. It's not that much more complex. It's it, they they had one of the greatest catchers for the past two decades, a guy that really excelled in that area. And I think people should give him his props for that, too, because I, I know people are like, ah, he's overrated. Look at the numbers. There's a reality here that there are things we cannot measure with catchers. And I think it's it's kind of like we're kind of understanding that better now i i can't i can't still fully measure it but i can tell you there's something there and i I think we're seeing it play out right now the funny part is as the cubs were pushing wilson Contreras away and trying to trade him they actually probably put him in the best possible situation to succeed meaning you dh like three times a week or whatever it is and you have a strong catcher like jan gomes working in tandem with you and to me obviously I'm not around the team I'm not in St. Louis but it seems like instead of having these uh you know mixed messages or turnabouts each news cycle as you say you just pair up Wilson with like one or two pitchers and have him focus on that and build out because like we're saying here it's not that hard for Wilson to be a two-war player that more than justifies his salary he's that good on offense and you know part of it was Kyle Hendricks has made this point in the past of like for Wilson to get his body right to be able to catch a hundred games takes a ton of work and he answered the bell with that but obviously he's getting older Um, I think another layer of this communication is like telling Wilson hey man like, you got paid. You don't have to worry about your numbers as much. This is what we want to focus. I think when you're in Wilson's shoes coming out of Venezuela, going year to year to year, I mean, this is someone who would, like, sleep on the floor and use his backpack as a pillow in the minors. Like, you to get that big deal, you got to put up the offensive numbers. And, and he did that. And now I think if there was both on, you know, I'm including the Cubs in this too. Like, there was just – wires were just crossed throughout the years here of telling him like hey we know you care we know you work hard but like we need to see more of this and I don't know exactly who could convey that message I don't know if that message would ever be effective given how strong-willed and independent Wilson is and those are very good qualities that explain why he's here but just an all-around failure from um, the Cardinals perspective of like how do you pull the cord on this, you know, so early uh, in this. And once again, I think it's, you know, kind of scapegoating him for issues that they've had of, you know, giving Steven Matz, you know, a really nice-sized contract and getting no results. Obviously, their pitching pipeline has slowed down uh, a little bit. Like, their entire team was off playing in the WBC, and Wilson stayed back to work with his pitchers. And obviously – 
they didn't do they have I didn't even realize this reading Ken's story like they got a first year pitching coach too right who's not you know after um I mean Mike Maddox has been around forever right and like there's going to be some regression there and I hadn't even thought of the you know pitch clock too like okay you're still working through this stuff like just an all-around uh dumpster fire for the Cardinals which to your point Brett is totally going to set up like a th- like this will be the moment where their season turns around just the way baseball works and Cardinals history works yeah two yeah. no hitters yeah yeah two no hitters this series Wilson hits a you know ninth inning grand slam in, in the other game and Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. No, I, you know, it's, I think this actually ties well to the idea that we haven't talked about the Cardinals much this year. Everything you're going through there, Mooney, is like so the antithesis of what the Cardinals project themselves to be and, if we are being completely honest... You know, this is what their worst start in 60 years. They don't do this. Like, this is not the Cardinals. They they have had what, like two losing seasons in the last 30 years or some crazy thing. And it's like they deserve some credit for clearly being able to do some things at an organizational level well. And I think that probably... Uh, served as a buttress to expectations for how good they would be this year, despite all the things that you're mentioning. Uh, if all of this were happening to a team, maybe not the Cubs, but if, if all of this were happening to like, I don't know, the Reds or, or even the Pirates, sort of just disastrous decision-making at an organizational level, multiple changes to... Because remember, the coaching staff, it isn't just that they had turned it over at the end of last year. Remember, Matt Holliday was going to be their hitting coach and he left like a week before spring training 
I mean, I'm not, I would not, I would not go so far as to say this is like organizational rot, but these are the things that you see. Like this is what it looks like when an organization at its core has some fundamental failings that you can't see publicly. And you, all we see are the vestiges of that. And so I, I, I am not making any claims in that regard. I'm saying only that it, it took a series with the Cubs for us to talk about this stuff because it's just so, I wouldn't have wanted to make any claims two or three weeks ago. And I wouldn't have wanted to say Nolan Arenado was going to fall off a cliff or that um, the pitching staff was going to be, you know, bottom eight in baseball and, and that Wilson Contreras would be bounced off of catching just a month into his five-year deal. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I, I'm not sure if any of you guys have seen, but I'd, I'd like to know is how often they've even had like a 10 and 24 stretch and what kind of seasons they've had because we we always focus on just the start and I'm just wondering like have they had a 10 and 24 stretch recently and just we we didn't know I mean we noticed that they were playing poorly but but that that's not like is that something that they can bounce back from it's just just something I've been thinking during this uh during this poor play from them I mean just it is I I I still think this is a really strong organization and I agree with it's it I know it's Brett's fear but I just think they can bounce back. The Cardinals are always there. There's a lot of talent still there. I don't want to ignore that fact. Um, I will say that I, I can't remember if we said this at the time. Uh, you know, I understand reinforcing a strength by going and getting Wilson and, and in theory making your uh, offense uh, an awesome offense even stronger. What was an awesome offense last year even stronger. But it, it seemed pretty obvious at, when the offseason started, go get a pitcher and get one of those like Christian Vasquez type catchers. Like that seemed like a really simple way. Sean, I mean, Ken focused on Sean Murphy today in his piece. Um, they they were in on that and and they kind of backed away and and went after Wilson instead. And and that's like I think they they didn't like the cost there. I think they they have a deep enough system that they they could have been fine with that cost uh, for Sean Murphy. Uh, Cubs fans are likely screaming at the podcast right now saying, yeah, they're glad they didn't do that. Right. I mean, I, I'm assuming you don't want Sean Murphy, who, if you aren't paying attention, is crushing the ball right now. I, I think he has he's leading the league in way to run straight a plus leading baseball. Uh, so and he's a highly respected gold glove catcher. So, you know, that's this isn't an organization that regularly makes mistakes, but it seems like when they dip into free agency, they do. Matt's, uh, I mean, Fowler, and remember the Fowler situation? Like, how do they, like, this is such a highly respected organization, but every once in a while when things go south, they don't handle it that well. And that's re that's odd to me. They, they didn't handle the Dexter Fowler situation very well. It was a PR mess. Uh, and this is happening again. Uh, Mike Schilt left after a, a great season. Uh, just some weird things that happen that I, I, I don't want to act like the Cardinals haven't earned a ton of respect as far as how they do things, but there are things that happen that you're like, really? How How is such a, a you know well-run, highly thought-of organization doing some of these things? I mean, if, if the Cubs did those things, you can damn well be sure we'd be ripping the hell out of them. I mean, so, so it's, it, it's perplexing at times. Uh, but I also just wouldn't count them out. I just, uh, you know, they're, they're talented enough still 
that it, maybe they can't get back in this altogether, but they can be a thorn in, in the side of the Cubs going forward and, and the rest of the teams in this division. No doubt, Sahato. I think they've they get the benefit of the doubt more often than not, but they've just invited so much skepticism of like I was trying to look it up now. I mean, Mike Schilt was fired after that crazy like seventeen game winning streak that propelled him to the playoffs, right? Like that was not that long ago. And that you know, I remember our friend Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post Dispatch talking to him during the jamming. He's like, Christian Vasquez is like idol was Yadier Molina and I believe they have the same agent like that was viewed as just like a slam dunk choice of going with Vasquez and for whatever reason uh they didn't uh I think it's important to note too as a bit of a transition like how much Miguel Amaya looked up to Wilson Contreras and how he reached out to him after signing his deal and there will be a lot said about Wilson and there will this week and there will certainly be some truth to uh some of areas where the cubs found his day-to-day routine lacking um but i also don't think it's fair whether you're the cardinals or the cubs to like pin everything on a three-time all-star catcher like the cubs as a group their pitching infrastructure, you know, shares in the credit when things go well while they're losing 90 games a year and then wilson gets blamed for uh, you know, whatever certain areas he did not uh, measure up. And, you know, we all know there is certainly truth to that. Like there are, they did not see eye to eye all the time. Um, but I do think there are, are people that Wilson impacted in Chicago over the years and throughout up and down the organization and that uh, you can't take away what he did in his in Chicago, his his accomplishments, and um, you know that said too. Sadov and I wrote about it in our preview today. Like Cubs fans will probably cheer him the first at bat, and then you just know he's going to do something to troll Cubs fans, and just like it's going to be like shushing them. Or, yeah, exactly. Brett's kissing his bicep right now. Like it's going to be great theater for us. Yeah, I, I tweeted earlier today. Um, I think it's possible that his reception in his first at bat could be among the most polarizing we've ever heard at Wrigley Field, where because of the way the offseason played out, this was another part we didn't talk about. Wilson really embraced his cardinal ness and was uh, you know talking about how he was dreaming of being a cardinal, even as he sat in the Cubs dugout last year and uh, how he's hoping to make Cubs fans sad this year, not in a mean way, but in terms of like, wanting to beat them and it, like you knew he would embrace that okay uh so i can imagine a world where tonight at the game he gets a rowdy bit of cheers from a lot of fans who simply want to acknowledge and remember how important he was to the organization over the years and uh what a fun player he was to watch and then i think you're also going to have people probably standing right next to them what, what why are you cheering boo now boo this guy um, it, I think it's going to be a, a wild mix of the two. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll have something to talk about that on Thursday before we leave the pod and leave the catching conversation. I wanted to mention the, um, if I could ham fist a, a connection here, you know, when Wilson came up to the Cubs, it was 2015. The Cubs had a catching duo that year uh, that were known for their defensive skills, their game calling. So this was sort of at the bleeding edge of uh, our 
understanding of that stuff as outsiders in terms of like how just how important it could be um and miguel montero and david ross uh david ross that year by the way a 33 weighted runs created plus he was that bad at the plate um but everyone knew he had value and uh wilson came up later in the year uh to serve as a third catcher and uh take advantage of his bat he was crushing double a that year if you'll recall it's hard not to have that sort of pop into your head with Miguel Amaya coming up this year, uh, a longtime heralded prospect who has dealt with injury issues, but he comes straight up from double A where he's killing it. And although he is not the third catcher at this time, he came up to replace Jan Gomes, who's been on the concussion injured list. Um, I don't think Amaya is going to stay up when Gomes comes back. I don't think that's going to be in the plans for him because I think he's still got a lot of innings to make up behind the plate because of his missed time. And so I, I think he is likely to get promoted to AAA Iowa when he goes back down. I think I, I would bet on that. But I do wonder if we'll see him again this this year, uh, either because injuries happen to catchers or because at some point the Cubs are going to decide this kid's too good to not take advantage of of what he's able to give us right now um especially knowing he's out of options next year he's got to be a part of the catching mix next year or he's gone so i have just been extremely encouraged by how he has seemed to ingratiate himself immediately to the pitchers to the pitching infrastructure you know you saw the quotes from hayden wasneski about amaya and they were just over the top effusive in the praise um, these are two guys that didn't really ever work together. I mean, so it's it's kind of it's that's very impressive to me, and it it gives me a good feeling going forward about how the Cubs are set up at the catcher spot. Yeah, uh, Ross uh, praised him as well, and and talking about the catching aspects, he he wasn't like you know it's not like he's he's perfect and and ready to go. He, he still has a lot to learn, but they seem very. Uh, positive about the fact that he can he can learn those things and and is going to put in the work to 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 get the you know soft factors of catching down uh I talked to Jan Gomes a little bit about it too and and he's impressed with the work he's putting in and and trying to ingratiate himself with the uh pitching coaches and and the pitchers and and really get to know them and put all the work in I thought yeah, Wisniewski isn't some veteran that that has you know had a a, ton, a dozen different catchers before, but he he is he's fighting it right. He, he he's fighting it and trying to put in all the work he can, preparation he can to make sure he's ready for his start. And he said he was kind of shocked that Amaya came in more prepared than him because he was a little worried that he's like, oh, I got this rookie catching me and I'm uh, you know I, I'm not doing great. I was shocked that Amaya yeah, got yeah. that start. And, like I didn't I, when the lineup came out on Sunday, I, I just I, I was like, oh, he's he's facing Alcantara and he's catching Wisniewski. Yeah, I think it I, says I something shocked. about that. It that says, says something about the way the organization feels about him. Ross believes in him. The staff seems to believe in him. Remember all the stuff we talked about. It's not just on offense. That's not what we're talking about here. It goes so far beyond that. But he does look good at the plate as well. I agree, Brett. I think he's probably getting sent down. I think to, as long as uh, Gomes is cleared, I think uh, from concussion protocol, I think he's eligible Tuesday to come back. If he comes, if, if he's good to go, I think it's Amaya that goes back down. Um, I, I know Barnhart's going to take a lot of heat from fans because uh, he's not hitting, but he does do those little things as well. 
maybe he at some point gets a more reduced role and and it's kind of like a David Ross situation in 2015. Uh, for some reason in my head, it was Schwarber in 16 or Schwarber popped up, not not Wilson. And uh, w- yes, there it was. Uh, Contreras. Sorry, excuse me. In, 2016. That's why. Me, okay, that's you. why sorry. I got confused. 16. Okay, so Schwarber did come up in in very briefly. Remember, he came up in in like Cincy or Cleveland or something like that. Uh, he came up briefly in Cleveland. He went back down for like the futures, and game. then came back. Yeah. I, I think we could see something similar to that, where maybe Amaya comes back in June or July because uh, he's crushing AAA. It, let's you know, you have to hope that the the offense continues to develop as well. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to be back, learn under Gomes and Barnhart, uh, and 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 just get that experience. Like you said, they, he doesn't have any more options beyond this year. He needs to be up. Uh, or he's going to be traded, one of the two, right? And I think it makes a lot of sense to keep him around. He's a young, talented catcher that's eager to do the work. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense for him to be that guy. If if he can stay healthy, I think this is a bonus that people weren't really considering in the offseason as much, where suddenly you have this guy that was like a top 50, top 100 prospect when healthy and, and, and thriving. Uh the talent is still there. It's not gone. So suddenly you have this potentially impactful catcher, young catcher coming up that changes a lot for the, the future of this team. It, health is obviously the biggest factor, but but if he's healthy and, and he can stay on the field, it, it kind of changes. I'm not just talking about 2023. I'm talking beyond. It, it changes how we kind of look at some things and look at the holds that they need to fill in going forward. No doubt. I mean, for a front office to bank on Miguel Amaya last winter would have been naive or irresponsible. But looking at what he brings to the table, like setting aside Wisniewski, who I think is still a rookie, but like Jamison Tyone was like, he's a stud, you know, and and Tyone has pretty high standards, right? So I'd have like in terms of what he wants uh, on the pitching side or from the from the catching side and. You know, I think it's important to remember too. Like Wilson was, you know, converted into a catcher. I think he was maybe 21. Like Amaya was just groomed at this position. Like he came up as a catcher. Um, I also think his personality is a little different than Wilson's. Kind of a one on one of one personality, but just the way Amaya carries himself, the way he communicates. Like you know, I remember meeting him. I think it was before his first Futures game. It was like in 2018. And, you know, I saw him uh, maybe two years later and he remembered my name and shook my hand. Or, you know, I remember in spring training one year talking to someone on the Cubs international side and he walks right up and, you know, you know, says hello, Patrick, and says hello to whoever I was talking to at the time. Just a very, like, uh, mature person uh, with the kind of people skills that you could see really translating to whatever uh pitching room they're in when they're in meetings stuff like that like he he cares about that stuff and yeah you didn't want to get your hopes up too much considering how much time he's missed but like I think even just this brief window like he's on the opening day roster next year like you know I mean I I don't see any scenario in which you're like now hesitating on what he could be in the future like as long as he's healthy he can bring a lot to this team for the next whatever six seven years like I think that's how high 
his ceiling was and how talented he is and how uh, those intangibles are valued by the Cubs. Like he's he's the real deal to me as long as as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I think it's important to note too that he was reputed for years for his catching skills and um, in in the minor leagues. It's not as if he it's not as if any of this is not what was necessarily expected on this side of the ball. Um, so it isn't, it's not like Patrick's seeing a week or hearing a week's worth of whatever and being like, ah, you know, this is, this is what he was supposed to be. It was really just a question of the injuries. Um, so Cubs Cardinals this week, uh, again, we'll see what role Wilson Contreras fills. We'll see what the reaction is. We'll see how the games go. Um, I mean, it's, it's wild the divergent possibilities uh, for these teams and for this week and for what we might say to you on Thursday, uh, our next episode of on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher nation. That's side of Sharma and Patrick Mooney get theirs at the athletic. We appreciate you listening as always. And I do, I really do look forward to seeing what happens in this series and, and talking to you folks again on Thursday. Take care.